Hello, and welcome to the IMS Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Bloomberg. Today, we're speaking with IMS elite expert Terry Livingston about intellectual property disputes, future industry trends and challenges, and developing the chemical engineers of the future. Terry Livingston is a chemical engineer with more than 20 years of experience in chemical plant design and operations. He has experience in oil and gas refineries, including the design of chemical and petrochemical manufacturing facilities. Terry's experience also includes the storage and handling of chemicals, process safety management, and process control failure. Let's talk a little bit about emerging trends. What are some that you see in the field of chemical engineering? Well, there's development of new technology specifically for things like green energy. Um, You mentioned automobiles. Um, There's a push, even some states are really pushing hard now that they're not gonna be powered by petroleum in the future. They're gonna be powered by electricity. So there is a lot of scientific push now to develop the very best battery technology that we have and it's changed it's it's really changed over the last 10 years and it's continuing to evolve we have batteries now that we couldn't dream of 30 or 40 years ago the amount of energy that they can deliver uh technology of solar of wind power of synthetic fuels that are that are low carbon uh even there's a push now Shell just announced recently they're going to try to build in Louisiana a low-carbon petroleum refinery. And if you think about it, a refinery handles hydrocarbons, but they're going to develop a refinery that has very low output and usage of hydrocarbons to mm-hmm. process the hydrocarbons. So those are, those are avenues or new technologies or new industries that are being developed along the lines of green energy. Let's drill down there a little bit when it comes to intellectual property disputes within them. And so you've listed them off pretty quickly, but why don't I list them off and maybe you could explain each of them, the types of renewable energy and maybe the associated risks. So let's start with a really popular one right now. I constantly get emails and knocks at the door now about solar panel. It's just like when your roof needs to be replaced after a really bad storm. Can you explain the technology behind that green energy and the associated risks for intellectual property cases? Well, the the solar technology is well-developed among a number of countries. The chemistry behind the solar technology is pretty well-developed. The the issues with it are the fact that it's intermittent. Uh, That is, if you're going to apply solar energy, obviously a good portion of any 24-hour period it's not producing. So if we're going to use solar energy on the electrical grids, we have to find a way to balance it. And that's not easy because there may be parts of Arizona that do really well with it, parts of Washington state that do not. So how do we, how do we balance the electrical grid? And same is true with wind power, is how do we balance wind power so that when it's being generated, it can be used where it's needed to be used. That is not typically a problem with power plants who produce using petroleum or coal. They can produce around the clock and they can supply the grid as they need to. With solar and wind, that's not the case. And and that's something our, our country is really just beginning to grapple with now. 
solar and wind, because they, they go so closely together, what sorts of intellectual property risks do you see uh, or cases coming out of those two green energies? Well, in, obviously, intellectual property on both of them in terms of the materials that are used, uh, the techniques that are used to deploy them, those particular facets, the chemistry of the, the solar cells as they continue to be developed are going to be patented or they're going to be kept as trade secrets. With the solar, in, uh, with the wind power in order to develop the turbines and develop, develop the generators that go with those, those right now are fairly energy intensive. To build wind powered rotors takes a lot of energy and it actually takes petrochemicals to do that. Hmm. So struggling now to develop wind appliances that give us more energy than it takes to build it and to deploy it and to run it. I think we'll continue to get better with that, but the intellectual property that goes with innovation of the solar chemistry and the construction and materials of the wind turbines are gonna be two areas that are gonna be very competitive. In our planning meeting, you, you mentioned another green energy, hydrogen. Why don't you explain how that's used and some issues that you see or risk related to that? Hydrogen ultimately will be the holy grail. When we develop hydrogen, technology, in particular, when we as humans have a catalyst that will let us economically split water into hydrogen and oxygen, then we have unlimited energy. And when we burn that fuel, we make water. So that, that will be ultimately the perfect fuel for humans in terms of impact on the environment because there will be none. Mm-hmm. But hydrogen does have risk. It is, according to the National Fire Protection Association, near the very top. It is the second tier of explosive and flammable materials. So Ford, for example, has announced you know, hydrogen fuel cell vehicles that they are developing, but we have to keep the passengers safe. We have to be able to contain the hydrogen and to use it in such a way that we don't expose either the retail customer or the general public to the real risks of hydrogen. Mm -hmm. I was reading a few years ago that somebody had figured out how to use corn syrup in their car. Why don't you talk a little bit about biofuels? That, that is an, a good example. Soybean oil is one in which there is a conversion synthesis method that you can convert it to an automobile fuel. And we as chemical engineers are on the cutting edge of developing those technologies. Exxon, for example, has a new technology in which they grow algae and they use chemistry to convert the products of the algae into biofuels. And so those corn syrup, soybean oil, algae, these natural materials can be used in a chemical process and chemical reactors to grow the materials that are needed for these fuels. And they, they do have a much greener impact on the environment because the net carbon is not being increased. The organisms are taking carbon and fixing it from the air or from the soil or the water. And the carbon that we're releasing 
was already absorbed. Whereas petroleum that we extract from the, the surface of the earth, below the surface of the earth, that's not been released. Okay, so that, that's where the advantage of the biofuels comes from is that, that there's not a net release mm -hmm. of it. So how long until we all have DeLoreans and, and time machines like the movie Back to the Future? Yeah, what, what was that? A, a flux capacitor or something or nuclear fusion used yeah, in the DeLorean? Uh, that, that, you know, that may be uh, beyond the scope of my experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Rolls-Royce now has a new project in which they are developing a jet engine that runs on hydrogen, hmm. as an example. So here is a cutting-edge fuel, and it may eventually be able to, um, to push petrochemical, petrofuels out of the aviation industry. Wow. So that would be another advancement. This, the chemical engineering world is exploding with technology opportunities right now. And of course, with opportunities, there are, there are challenges. And, and I wanna to touch on that before we finish up, sure. how we get involved and in, in even how legal firms get involved in that. Go, go ahead. Okay. You know, one of the important things about chemical industry in, in my company, for example, is that we have a relationship um, I had a law firm contact our company and say, we want to be a part of your company. We want to help you in your day-to-day -day business. So we don't have a pending case. We've never had litigation against my company, but they help us. We pay them a fee and they will help us if we need to file a document, if we need to draft something, if we need an opinion on a contract, they're involved in our day-to-day -day business and they are reimbursed for that work but at the same time they're getting to know our clientele they're getting to know the lexicon of our industry uh, we're developing a relationship so now if something were to come up i would just naturally pick up the phone and call them say hey i i've got a bigger problem now i need some help with you now, i'm i'm surprised that more firm more legal law firms are not sort of involved in this relationship, this normal day-to-day -day relationship, rather than just the big phone call type of relationships. Because I, I think it's very healthy. It helps both firms and it builds this bond so that when there is a really important need, it's a, it's a natural go-to relationship. Maybe that'll be developed as you talked about the future of chemical engineers and the industry, it's, it's going to explode. I wanted to ask as, as a parent of a high schooler who, who loves chemistry, what advice would you give parents who are trying to help their kids see the possibilities of a career in chemical engineering? Give the children an opportunity to see chemistry and mathematics, not as a chore, but help them understand how important it is in our everyday world, the things that we have around us, um, our lives, even our human bodies are chemical engineering masterpieces. We could spend a thousand years in Lawrence Livermore Laboratory and Bell Laboratories and never make a human being. They're, they're marvels. And so for a, a child to have the sense of wonder about chemistry and behind me, 
Here is a chemistry lab uh, that I was actually given as a child, and it really sparked my interest. I'm, I could do amazing things to create things that um, I didn't know about. I didn't understand how chemistry plays a part in, in our everyday life. So giving them the opportunity, and I think, Adam, as a parent, you have to read their interest and you have to read their involvement. Some children will take to it very well and they just love it. Other children are more drawn to creativity and they, they don't want to take a problem and be a detective and, and sleuth it out. So I, I think as a parent, you give them the opportunities. I, I think you give them a broad spectrum of opportunities and sort of observe where they're talented. Mm -hmm. they're interested in chemistry may be a part of it but it might not be but you give them a chance yeah i'm curious to know how do you balance the work your work at cq engineering uh, you work as an expert witness and you shared with me before you're a family man you have a lot of uh, friends and family close to you where you live how do you balance that and and your mental health I enter into my work with the expectation that there, there are going to be busy times and it's incumbent upon me to deliver to the client. I have had cases where I may get phone calls at 2 a.m. on Saturday morning, Sunday morning. I take those calls and, and I address them and, and try to deliver to the very best of my ability by listening to the client and understanding what they need, what are they asking me for and deliver. So I, I go into this work knowing there are gonna be some very busy times, but also know that uh, those come and go. And so we do what we need to do, we deliver, and then we try to balance that by not getting too drawn in. I don't want it to be a way of life that pursuit of work and money is mm -hmm. everything in my all in all. I do the work that helps my clients win, uh, but also know that I don't want to overcommit and do that all the time because I do have family, yeah. friends, and we're fortunate here on the Gulf Coast to have wonderful outdoor opportunities and activities. We've got water sports, golfing, fishing, hunting, you know, so many opportunities here. It's a beautiful part of the country. And just the sheer blessing of where we are helps to take some of the stress off. You know, when you uh -huh. pay the price and do the work, there's going to be some enjoyment comes after that. Terry, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate the opportunity and it was my pleasure. Thank you to Terry Livingston for speaking with us today. At IMS, we're trusted to deliver consulting services to the most influential global law firms, early with pre-suit and investigation services, then in litigation during discovery, arbitration, and trial. It's been our privilege to serve our clients on more than 20,000 cases and over 2,000 trials. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and join us next time on the IMS Insights Podcast.